I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Well, that's sad, but true, but most people cannot handle the truth. My name is Ed Dingus, and you are listening to The Reformed Rant. Today, we're going to do something a little different. I have a friend of mine, Christian brother, jiu-jitsu brother, Chris Sulis, who's coming on to, uh, we're going to do a Q&A. And uh, in this episode, we had every intention of getting to three or four questions, but Chris asked the question about election first. And um, that's where we we camped out. Um, really just looking at this in an informal way, sitting around having a conversation uh, about the doctrine of, of election, um, trying to answer that as best we can from Scripture, and talking a little bit about why it gives people such consternation. So um, I hope you enjoy. Without further ado, let's just jump into uh, the conversation. Yeah, there you go. I'm going to give you a nice, there you have a nice view of the Air Force flag, the only service that matters. What's the smoke? Is your house on fire, man? Wow, you, that's a pretty good thing. No, my house isn't on fire. I'm burning incense. It makes the room smell good. Oh, oh. I'm gathered here with Chris Sulis. He's a Buddhist and he's burning incense right now. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> so did, did Russia blow up the German embassy today? I don't know. I don't watch the news. You know that. Oh, man, good for you. That's right. Somebody <laughs> said they did, and I, I haven't read anything, so I don't know if they did or they didn't. Well, that's going to be pretty bad, and I'm glad that I'm re- I'm glad that I retired. If that's the case, yeah, no kidding. Your butt would be on a plane. Yeah, already. So I'm I'm thankful that I'm actually sitting here, enjoying a a, a nice caramel colored beverage, talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I I there's a rumor that says that uh, the reason that Russia hasn't uh, won that war yet is because apparently we sent over about five Navy SEALs and uh, that's the holdup. So that, 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 that's actually not correct. We only sent over three, three. Okay. Yeah. Well, that explains why they're having such trouble. (laughs) The, uh, the other two were admin guys. They were just there to, you know, take notes and take pictures. <laughs> Document. <laughs> well, and and the reason for that is because we all know from YouTube and from media in general that every time a Navy SEAL ties his shoe, they write a book about it and eventually a movie will be made about it and a ridiculous amount of podcasts and YouTube videos and t-shirts. And I mean, you know, look, the sky's the limit. All you have to do is be a SEAL. You don't even have to deploy to be a SEAL. And you're going to be able to write a book. Yep. This is true. Yep. All respect to Navy SEALs. I couldn't do it. However, from what I also understand is a lot of the ones that write the books and make all the movies are not held in high regard by the rest of the SEAL community. I don't know if that's true. Uh, Yeah, that's uh, 
That sounds like it could be true. <laughs> Maybe. Please, please feel free to call uh, Ed Dingus at Reform Rant uh, for all of your Navy SEAL questions. Uh, he'll answer the phone between two and three in the morning on Tuesdays. There you go. There you go. Well, so you have some questions. I do. And, and in order to be fair about this, I haven't given you any information about any of the questions that I'm going to ask, but I haven't done any research on them either. They're just questions that I had. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> let's, uh, well, I'll stop from the, I'll start from the top of the list election or predestination. So it is a, uh, a controversial subject, to say the least, among Christians, because um, you've got the Calvinist view, and you've got the Arminius view, and then you probably have the view of countless others that have decided to write books about it. But as a layperson, when you look at that and you hear things and you read things, especially if you just read something just on Google, which isn't a good idea for anything theologic, um, it just sound, it it sounds like okay, fifty people were born today, and God sits on His throne and says, "All right, these fifty, I'm going to allow to be saved. The other fifty, not so much." However, when you read the Scripture, it talks about Jesus dying for the world, and that and that word world that i lied to you i did look that up a while back means like the entire population so to me it sounds like something that borders on the line of christian mysticism something that 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 just can't be explained something that 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 tozer would say is just beyond the human mind to understand i i i just read his book and um, some of the things that he talked about he was saying, look, you just need to accept this, um, which, which I can get on board with. There's some things that we can't wrap our head around. But I thought you, being the, uh, the, the learned man that you are, could shed some light on that. <laughs> I don't know how learned I am, but um, I will. Uh, well, you're more learned than me. So, yeah. Uh, well, I've, I've been around this block uh a few times how long have i been the lord saved me in 1979 so what is that 43 years ago 43 that's, years ago that's a long time ago man i'm only 51 so do the math oh you were eight years old when i got saved, but i was only 14 okay uh yeah e election god's god's choice of uh, of human beings, so <clears throat> controversial. Uh, it's kind of funny because part of me, part of me wants to say, well, it's you know, if you're a Christian and you believe the Bible, it's not really controversial at all. It's only if you reject parts of the Bible that we start getting into controversy. And the bigger controversy would be rejecting parts of the Bible. But I know that that would be unfair because there are many people who say I don't reject the Bible, and uh, I also don't believe. 
an election. Heck, uh, there are people who say, I don't reject the Bible, and uh, I don't believe in predestination, which the Bible clearly talks about God having predestined us, which blows my mind that people don't believe that. Anyhow. Well, I think, I think, the, I, I think the thing is, is that people, and, and even me included, we, we don't disagree with the Bible. We just don't understand exactly what that means. Because yeah. um, because when you try to read it, um, you know, you you look up some commentaries, you look up, um, you know, somebody's book about it. Somebody wrote a paper about it and you read it and it's it's um, it, it's not exactly written in terms that the average guy could understand. So. When I read the Bible and I see something like predestination, I look it up and then I see what. Like I said earlier, what a Calvinist would say and what an Arminius would say, and both of them would say that they don't reject the Bible. So, but you get two separate views on it. So, yeah. um, so I, yep. I, I, I would, I, I would think that the more conservative view, which is the view I like to take on anything biblical, would be the Calvinist view. But I. I and a lot of other people, people, and hopefully some people that might be listening to this, at the end of your explanation may be able to say, oh, okay, I get it now. Um, somebody write MacArthur and tell him to simplify uh, his, his, his viewpoint on this so the rest of us can get it. Yeah. yeah. So let's go back to <clears throat> the comment you made about Christian uh mysticism so um this is really uh, you know i know people think that this question about election is is about the doctrine of election but it isn't really about the doctrine of election uh it's really about the doctrine of god and what sort of god you think exists that's really what this question is about. And part of the challenge is that when when people start coming up with ideas that contradict what the Bible appears to clearly say, it's usually because they have a different idea of God in their mind uh, that than other than the one that they're reading in scripture. Their view of God is a little different from what that text appears to be saying. Therefore, the text cannot appear to be saying that because that sort of God I wouldn't be very cool with. And I, I can't tell you how many people that I've either talked to and had them say to me that the God of Calvinism is a monster or uh debates that I've listened to where the the Arminian uh, would take that view. Whatever you do um, on this question of election uh, or on the question of Calvinism or Arminianism, whatever you do, avoid making the statement that the God of Calvinism is a monster or the God in Arminianism is a monster because. So, so, so let, I, I want to interject something here because yeah. I think that a, the reason a lot of people may say that is because they are told um, or hear or read 
from seeker sensitive viewpoints where they're not where people are like, look, I just want to get you in church. Yeah. And then and then we'll figure out the rest. But but in situations like that, a lot of the times the rest doesn't get figured out. Um, So (laughs) I if you look so I have been lately, I decided I wanted to uh, go back to the Old Testament and read through that thing page by page, Um, you know, verse by verse with no real like the the version I have is is a version that just has chapter numbers it doesn't have verse it doesn't have cross cross references it doesn't so it's like reading a book which up to maybe 500 something years ago that's the way that the bible looked well from what i understand but anyway um i've been just reading through this and and if you were to like all right so the wife and i were watching a tv show a while back and there were some brutal scenes on it where um, it was about um, uh, uh, the 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 old Viking Norse societies, and they were slinging blood all all over everything all the time. They're killing something and slinging blood all over it, and we were like, "Wow, that's really brutal." But as I go through and I read the Old Testament, you know, especially like in Exodus and Deuteronomy, you read about the priests Aaron and his sons doing some of these same things because god is like this is this is a sin offering this is a guilt offering and you'll rub some blood on the lobe of your ear and on your big toe and on your thumb you'll sprinkle it on on the pillars of the altar and somebody might see that and say wow that is just that is just brutal while it's celebrated in like viking mythology that same person will turn around and say well your god's a monster but wait a minute you know you have on a you know king of odin's shirt you know which is you know so now you're being hypocritical about this you know who's who's really a monster but but what you were saying made me think as i am reading through these verses the same god that is from the old that we read about in the old testament not from the old testament he's not from anywhere he's always been here but the same god we read about in the old testament is the same god that exists now and it's always existed and it's the same god that sent jesus christ to the earth so um yeah i mean so anyway you know it's it's i think maybe it's a dangerous thing that we've done in i don't you know and it, it's it, it's just not while you and i have been alive it's been for a long time that um christianity has been watered down to this you know god that's pretty much okay with everything as long as you try and I don't think that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. You, you're right. So the, the, and here's the other thing that, you know, so we're dealing with the, the question of this election. So the question is, is, you know, is the doctrine of election as understood and taught by Calvinism, the right understanding of election or is Arminius's view the right understanding of of election? And so, um, you know, we can we can turn to scripture 
but before before I look at some scriptures, so, uh, so that you, so this is also important, Chris. There's the question: What is the answer? But how do we know what the answer is? And we ha- so we have to turn to scripture to see what the what the answer is, and see what scripture says about this question. Uh, but before I do that, I, I'm looking at the Westminster Confession of Faith, uh, chapter three uh, of God's eternal decree, uh, paragraph three, and it says, by the decree of God for the manifestation of his glory, some men and angels are predestined unto everlasting life and others foreordained to eternal death. And so, uh, you know, this is, this is the, this is the confession. This is, this is what the reformed believe and they reference scriptures, right? So the idea is we're going to formulate our beliefs about this doctrine and what is going to cause us to make these propositional statements, these claims is what the Bible says. Um, And so one of the scriptures they reference is Romans chapter nine, verses 22 and 23, which says, what if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make known his power endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. And he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory. And then another verse that they reference in support of this view is that is Ephesians chapter one, verse five and six, which says pretty clearly, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us and in the beloved. And, and even Proverbs 16.4 is another scripture that is referenced in the confession, the Lord has made everything for its own purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. Okay, so here's a, a couple of things, uh, guiding principles. Number one, Scripture is our authority. We have to turn to Scripture for the answers, and if the Scripture teaches it, we must affirm it and believe it, right? The other thing is is this. We know that God is rational. He is a rational being, which means there are no contradictions in him. He's not incoherent. He's not inconsistent. He doesn't teach one thing in one place and then contradict himself in another place. Um, So he's, he's, he's a logically consistent, rational being. In fact, I have a, um, an apologetic argument that uh, James Anderson, uh, I don't know if, it, I don't know that it was James Anderson that, 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 that actually authored the argument. It might have been someone else, but he s- certainly expanded on it and done a great job with it. But it's an argument for the existence of God from logic. And the, the thrust of the argument is that the laws of logic are thoughts that are that originate in the divine mind in god's mind because they're necessary truths about 
truth. No, we're, we're not going to get into what all that means, but all that just all that to say that God is is a rational is a rational being. So for people who who look at this doctrine of election, they think it's unfair. They think that it that that God arbitrarily willy-nilly chooses some and and not others um, and that it's an arbitrary capricious decision. Or that there's this there's this idea that you know well if if these people just heard the gospel uh, maybe they they would get saved, but you know they never heard the gospel and they're going to go to hell, and it's because they weren't elect and all of these things. And uh, that's really just that's not not the case. So coming back to as we start to really untangle this, coming back to the idea of Christian mysticism, um, uh, I got a great book. I think James Anderson wrote that book too, uh, uh, called uh, Paradox. I think it's called Paradox in Christian Theology. Um, there are, um, there is paradox in the Christian worldview, right? I mean, it, there are tensions, logical tensions, not, not actual demonstrable contradictions, but there are tensions in Christianity that the human, the finite human mind, and especially the fallen sinful finite human mind, can't bring them together. And, and synthesize them in a way that satisfies the finite, sinful, rational human mind. And we have a problem with that. We do not like not being able to solve that puzzle or that problem. It bugs the daylights out of us. And that is nothing more than, than, than arrogance. <laughs> Far be it from us that uh, we wouldn't be able to solve a problem. So there are some things about Christianity the virgin birth, uh, the fact that Jesus was truly God and truly man. Explain that to me. Explain how one person can be truly God and truly man, both at the same time. Ex you know, so so that so that so that right, and that can't be explained. Same thing as trying to explain the Trinity. Right. That it's, can't it's, be. It's right. It's it's it. That's right. And you could try to explain it, and you could try to use all the analogies you want, but they all eventually fall apart. That's right. So That's right. Would, would it be safe to say that if somebody said, well, I heard about this election predestination thing, does that mean that, like, you know, you might think you're saved, but you're not really saved? Or maybe I'm just, you know, I'm going to live my life the way I want because, hey, I've just been picked to go to hell. Maybe it is sufficient for us to say as christian witnesses that look some things just can't be explained and i'm sorry i can't answer that for you in totality but maybe we just look at what c.s lewis once said and i'm going to paraphrase this because i can't remember what i had for lunch today but he said something to the effect of maybe if this Christianity thing turns out to be all wrong, at least I live my life by its precepts and led a good life. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Um, uh, I would say this about that. I would say I wouldn't classify the doctrine of election um, in the same category as I would like what we're talking about here, the hypostatic union, uh, or oh, you're uh, gonna have to back that one up. Their hypostatic union. Listen, you got to realize that I'm, I'm. Uh, hey, look, 
I'm not that bright of a guy. So you might want to break that down because a, yeah. a lot of a lot of our listeners just turn the channel. Yeah. Uh, well, my listeners all understand what that means. Anyhow, all, 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 all three of them. <laughs> yeah, this, the hypostatic union is simply the the uh, joining together of the divine nature and the human nature into the one person of Christ. How, how, how this one person can have two natures, one divine and one human, right? It, it, that is a mystery that is beyond anything that we could really ever understand. But we have to do. So it's one thing to say, it's one thing to say this, Chris. It's one thing to say Jesus was truly God and Jesus was truly man. Two natures, one person, absolutely no question about it. But human logic, the human mind, wants to be the standard. So the temptation for modern humans, even people who claim to be Christians, is to say, look, if my mind can't make sense out of that, it can't be true. That's the idea. Now, that logically speaking, that's a specious argument. That's a fallacious argument. It's silly. I mean, someone who argues that way has never studied logic. So you would say, yeah, that no, that's crazy. That your your under your ability to understand something is not the criteria for whether or not that thing is true or false, right? Well, no, so I I yeah. I can't explain nuclear fission, but I know it exists. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Great example. So we come back to this election, and we we ask the question: If you want to answer this question on the doctrine of election, you have to turn to the scriptures and see what the scriptures teach about this. And the question is, do they teach that God predestines people to salvation even before those people were born, even before God created the world? And the answer to that question is yes, the scriptures do teach that. I just read Ephesians right. chapter one, and, where and it, yeah, they teach and, that. And so I, yeah, and I'm not going to argue with that because that's what the scripture says. I guess my question is, and what a lot of people people's question is, is, uh, you know, those that are, is the predestination like a, like a hand picking, like a duck, duck, goose type thing? Or is it God looking through the, the hallways of time, knowing what's going to happen. Not that his choice is, um, not that his, not that predestination is waiting on us to accept Christ or not, but is it just that, you know, from what I understand, and, and God being God, time is non-existent to him. And, you know, our our thought of hours and minutes and years and decades, those don't mean anything to God. That's stuff that we made up to keep track of our time so we could keep up with, you know, so guys like me could actually show up on time for podcasts like this. Yeah. But so yeah, I that's... guess my, my quest, my questions, I don't know. I, and and your listeners, like you said, your listeners would understand the, the, uh, the, some of the terms you're using, or I did not, and I, you know, uh, anxiously await the, 
the hate mail that that I would <laughs> that I would get if they knew how to send it to me. You know, I'm sure there's people just pulling their ha- hair out, going, "Who is this idiot? Yeah. And why is Ed talking to him?" But <laughs> I guess I'm just asking questions. From there are people who just don't get a chance to read all the books and all of the things, and they read stuff in the Bible, they read their commentary and their study Bible, and they don't understand it. And the question still comes down to. I guess, how do you know? You know, how do you know if you were destined for, for salvation or not? And then the question might be, well, because you accepted Jesus Christ, silly, so obviously you were saved. Okay, but what if somebody was predestined for it, but never chose it? Then the answer might be, well, if they were predestined for it, then they would choose, Je- you know, then they would choose Jesus Christ, then they would kneel to him and bow to him as Lord and Savior, but I mean, yeah. I, I, so there's an answer to that question. Okay. Um, and and for that answer, it's a good question. For that answer, we we go to John chapter six, verse thirty seven, where Jesus says, "All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me, I will certainly not." cast out. Yeah, so so the the idea that there could be someone out there that God elected and they never come to Christ or that someone came to Christ uh but they're not sure the father elected them or predestined them uh is both those ideas are destroyed by that one statement of Jesus. It just wipes it out. So that's the if someone asked me that question, this is the text that I would uh, say here's what Jesus said about that question. Now here's the here's the other question, Chris, that people need to be asked when the question of predestination or election comes up, um, and you're looking at a text like the one I just read or Ephesians one, um, and they're choosing to try and come up with with an explanation. The and the question that I have is why are you looking for an explanation outside of what's right there in the text in front of you. What are you doing? Why are you inventing this idea that God must look down through time, see who's going to choose him, and on, on that basis, he predestines them? Well, and, and, that, and, and, that, and that's not what I meant, because that would mean that, that God's choice um, hinges upon our choice. And that's not right because God's God's ways and his choosings, like we don't have anything to do with that. Yeah. And we should, and, and, and well, we shouldn't because we've, well, we're not good at running things. And And so there's uh, another problem with that view uh, that the idea that God looks down through time or looks into the future or whatever. mm -hmm. uh, And that is that it, it, requires ignorance at some point on the part of God so that well, God has to look ahead and learn what you yeah, would do and then act. I guess and, that, that would be absurd. Yeah, exactly. And so that, that's a problem. And here's, a, here's another issue with this question. So, so the question, the question uh, is really, the question is the product of, human beings trying to solve the 
the problem of evil and sin in the world. That's really where it's coming from. They're trying to, they're trying to reconcile the idea that God is perfectly good, yet his creation has an awful lot of evil in it, including sin and people who are going to go to hell. And, you know, so they're trying to, they're trying to come up with a, uh, a profile of God that makes sense in their mind. And there you go. That's the, that's again, we're back to human reason. You're, you're not looking at scripture to inform who God is. You're, you're using your own human ideas. And the question is how reliable are your own ideas? What are they based on? Just your, your gut feeling on what God must be like, right? So here's a, here's a, here's a bigger question for people who struggle with this and think they've found the solution because I have yet to meet someone who is not a reformed Christian and who, who can actually deal with this problem that I present uh, because even the free will argument does not solve the problem, right? We've got God in our mind as a perfectly good God, a perfectly loving God. He's infinitely loving. He's infinitely good. And he is all of these things. The problem is we fill those definitions, those words with our own meaning, our own meaning. We, we, uh, God is infinitely good and loving as I define what is good and loving. Uh, okay. If God is this being that everybody agrees in the Christian world, anyhow, uh, you know, in our world, this loving, perfectly good God, and he, he, and you, and you want to believe that he knows everything, that he's all intelligent, all knowing, that he's not ignorant in any way, shape, or form, that he's all powerful, right? That the traditional, historic, orthodox view of God, you have to, you have to come to grips with the fact that this being that you call God and good and loving knew that these babies were going to be raped, that these women were going to be murdered and raped, that the atrocities that have gone on in the UK were going to go on in the Ukraine and all the atrocities around the world since the beginning of time were going to happen, that he knew this, he knew this, and he knew that most people would reject him and would suffer eternal punishment in hell for it. He knew all this, and yet he still decided. This God that you're describing still decided to create, knowing full well all this was going to happen. I could ask you a question, Chris. If you knew that you were going to, that your child, that you were going to bring a child into this world, that it was in, completely within your power to do this, but you knew that that child was going to suffer immensely, not just in this life, but in eternity. Would you bring that child into the world anyhow? I guarantee you, I know what your answer is. I know what my answer would be. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it either. God did it. So the problem for people is that they think that they're solving this big problem of, you know, God and, and evil and, and what's going on in reality and, and that they're somehow fixing it and they're not. And so what ends up happening is they, this is, I don't want to say this is small. Uh, it, there are bigger issues 
right? The doctrine of election and how Arminius viewed it versus how Calvin viewed it. There are bigger issues in, in, in Christianity that we have to work through, that we have to be on guard for. Uh, but the biggest issue of all, thinking that you're solving the problem of evil by arguing for free will or that, you know, God doesn't elect that way or this way or the other way. You're not even scratching the surface of the biggest problem that Christianity has, that this God that we claim is loving and good and kind and holy and righteous knew every single evil that was going to happen in this world before he created it. And he still created it. In fact, the proverb that I just read a minute ago said that God deliberately created the wicked for the day of evil was part of his plan. How do you, how does a Christian respond to that? That's bigger than election. I'm sorry. That's a different question. So you've got other questions, but I'm, I'm well, going to stop right there. That's a, that's a, <laughs> yeah, that, that is a, that is a big question. And I, and, and while you're saying this, like almost at the end of this, like, I, 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 I am not afraid to say, like, I still don't get it. However, when I say I don't understand it, it doesn't mean I don't accept it. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. That's, you know, yeah. like I, 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 I accept just like back to my nuclear fission thing. I accept that it exists but I don't understand it. I, ex I, I have in, especially in my uh, uh, more uh, later years as a Christian have figured out that I know a whole lot less than I really thought I did. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I, I, I will never uh, profess to be a master of apologetics um i think that uh, we are to here's and i'm going to say my definition because my definition is fallible but my definition of what i am supposed to do as a christian and this could change you know next year as i learn more or how as the holy spirit teaches me my definition of being a Christian, being a disciple of Christ is, uh, you know, when they say we're, we're to spread the gospel, well, what does that mean? Does that mean that, you know, I'm just supposed to run around and tell people, you know, and, and, and spout off John 3.16 all day long, and people really don't know what I'm talking about? Or am I supposed to actually live the things that Jesus told us to do when he talked about, you know, hey, look, I don't know what y'all think, and I'm paraphrasing this, but I don't know what y'all think that, you know, real religion is, but real religion is taking care of the orphan and the widow, you know, and, and as of late, I've been trying to actually take that as serious as I can, you know, thinking about, okay, well, how can I help the orphan and the widow? How can I help the poor? You know, how can I put a glass of water in somebody's hands and because jesus said hey you give a glass of water to one of these you know you gave a glass of water to me you visited some of these in prison you visited me in prison and those are just examples there's a million things you know that that he could do you know the the other day i was in uh chick-fil-a and this guy walks up to me and asked me 
if I could buy him lunch. And I look at the guy and I could tell he's homeless, you know, and the, <laughs> the, the American in me, the person that is uh, suspicious of every person around me because of everything that has every, every, everything that I read and hear in the news, you know, which is why I don't listen to it anymore. It tells me that everybody's out for something, you know, but he, but I think to myself, I'm like, you know, for all I know, this guy was sent to me by God to see if I was actually going to obey his call in the little things, you know, and this was a little thing. The guy clearly wasn't, you know, skin and bones and on his last breath, but he needed something. So anyway, I get the guy lunch, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, well, don't, as, don't ever do that at Panera as the guy, as the guy lead, like, so, and I'm like, here it is. Okay. You know, have a nice day. God bless you, sir. That was it. You know, I could have been like, oh, this is my chance to give a guy a sermon. But Jesus didn't tell me to give people sermons. He told me to care for people, at least, at least in this situation. You mm -hmm. know, this was this was my glass of water. I, you know, and and really, for all I knew, this wasn't even a glass of water. This was just a test of obedience. You know, I know God doesn't tempt us, but from what I understand, He can test us. Yeah. So, so this happens, and I'm sitting there with my wife. And we're eating our lunch, and this guy ride, and I see this guy ride by his bike on his, um, uh, you know, past the window, and I'm, you know, and I'm thinking in my head, oh, there goes the guy, and right before he's out of view, he stops and he turns around and nods his head, you know. Now look, I'm not going to sit here and try to say that this guy was an angel sent by God, you know what? But I'm not going to say he's not. I I don't know. Because God's because this goes back to something that you were talking about earlier, and something that I I've, I've been thinking about since you've been talking, and I know this is a cliche thing to say, but it's in the Bible, so it's true. God's ways are not our own, and we can't try to figure Him out with our own rationale. Because if we do that, all we do is break down who He is. We try to humanize God in a way that he was never meant to be humanized is is so does that make sense is there is is there any kind of truth to that or am i completely wrong and am i guilty of heresy and i should go find a stake to be burned on well i i do have a couple of extra stakes uh just in case i need them so i knew i Prepare. I knew you would. I knew you would. <laughs> <laughs> I did what you said, what you did with a guy once at Panera. And so my, um, I've developed my, my um, charitable ideas over, over time, having gone through all these experiences and looked at the scripture to see what, what the scripture says about this kind of thing. And it's, it's a little harsher than the scriptures are harsher than people think they are when it comes to this kind of this this these kinds of you know acts of charity uh it's not as it's not as open as people sometimes think they are but i told this guy we were i was meeting with a bunch of guys for bible study at paneras and and uh 
there's a guy in front of me, homeless guy. And, it, you know, this it got carried away down at Panera so bad that they had to hire security guards because these guys were coming in and crashing there and staying there. And you couldn't go sit down and have breakfast at Panera's without smelling like you were in a back alley somewhere eating. It was pretty oh, disgusting. Man. It got bad. And it got a little dangerous, uh, you know, because, you know, let's let's face it. I mean, homeless people, uh, not every homeless person is dangerous, but you get enough homeless people in one location and you increase the danger, uh, violent danger. So you got to be careful. But this guy, Chris, this guy, uh, I think it was $37 or $29. I can't remember, but I said, look, uh, I told the lady, I said, Here, I'm going to buy his breakfast. And I let him go ahead and order. 30 some bucks at Panera's for his breakfast. <laughs> yeah, that's so that so that's that, oh my gosh. <laughs> and that's somebody taking advantage. Yeah, you know? it was. It was, but there there are other texts of scripture where, you know, uh when you look at like for instance in Thessalonians, Paul is dealing with uh with with people who apparently um have stopped working and and it's apparently because you know they think the lord is about to return it's imminent in, in any time and they're not working and paul was furious because working is designed by god and it's how people sustain themselves um and then um so he says if a man if a man won't work then he he shouldn't eat either um, and then uh, um, in to the to, to Timothy, he talks about the widow and caring for the widow, which James talked about. What a lot of people don't realize is that Paul's uh, requirements for a church to support widows were off the charts. Number one, she had to be a believer. She couldn't have been a busybody. She couldn't have been running around on her husband. I mean, he 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 gives us this list. Yeah, it's quite um, it's, it it is quite the, it is quite the laundry list. Yeah, and you you look at that, you look at that list. I look at that list and I'm like there isn't an American Christian who if you if if they don't know this is in the Bible, if you just told them here are the requirements for our church to support widows, they would think you were the most unloving person on the planet. And it's like, wait a minute, this is scripture. What are you talking about? Unloving. Anyhow, so so that so that so that's interesting, and and this being a free form uh, conversation, uh, you you kind of hit a nail on the head. Something I've been thinking about for a while, and that is the reason that we get ourselves into these issues, into these problems, into these. Well, you know, hey, God is just hey, man, just he loves you just like you are. Don't worry about it. You know, and that's true to a point, but I think that, and, and he said that, you know, if, if, if the, a pick any church USA was to do a widow ministry, they wouldn't make, okay, here's the requirements because they'd be like, wow, man, this really makes me, you know, really harsh. Yeah. Has Christianity been its own worst enemy. Not, well, I, not, not, not. Well, let me, let me, let me back that up. Not Christianity, but Christians. 
Have we been our yeah. have have we have we diluted the faith so much mm. that when we actually want to go back to what it says, to what the Bible says, that people just because here's all right, listen, here's 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 what I see in popular culture. And it's that, you know, everybody wants to watch, watch umpteen TV shows. And people will make fun of Christianity and not Christianity and stab at Christianity all that they want. But you don't hear them doing it on any other religion out there. And let's face it, a lot of other religions out there are a lot more bloodier and a lot more harsh than Christianity. So the way I see it is the reason everybody is attacking Christianity the way they are is because it's true and they don't want to accept it. So they're looking for ways out of it. Well, that's that's another yeah that's another uh, point I think of of distinction in in what we would call reformed or uh, theology or Calvinism, and that is that the reformed the reformed guys will tell you that um, human beings are natural born enemies of God. They are born hating God. As soon as they get the chance with their cognitive abilities, they will break God's law. As soon as they become aware, they will break God's law immediately. They're, is that is that no, is that part of the total depravity? It's yes. It's part. It's part of. It's part of. It's part of total depravity. Uh, it's the noetic effects of sin. I suppose that there. I mean. When you look at Arminius, what a, a lot of people don't realize is that he he was very uh, reformed in his view of total depravity. He that was one of the doctrines that he affirmed, and and but mo modern modern day Arminians do not affirm it. In fact, I will say this: Arminius would have would have condemned as heretics most modern Arminians because of where they've taken his system. The problem is for, for Arminius is that modern Arminians have taken Arminius's views to their logical conclusions, whereas Arminius wouldn't do that. So it's, it's kind of like this. The reform, the reform person says, look, God is sovereign over everything. He decreed everything that comes to pass. He predestined uh, men to glory. He's uh, ordained men to eternal punishment. All of these things, God is sovereign. But at the same time, you and I are responsible for our actions. So even though God's decree included that I would sin, that doesn't get me off the hook because God's decree was that I would freely choose to sin. He didn't force me to sin. I sinned willingly. So, you know, you look at that and you're like, well, how in the world do we bring those two things together? And the answer is we don't. The answer is we affirm that God is sovereign because the Bible teaches God is sovereign. And we affirm that human beings are responsible for their sin because the Bible teaches that human beings are responsible for their sin. We don't affirm these things because they make perfect sense in our mind. We affirm these things because they're clearly taught in Scripture. That's the difference. See, the, a lot of Arminians will 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 they fail to consider the fact that the the Reformed person, the Calvinist, really 
they they fail to consider that the Calvinist is saying, I simply believe these things because it's what the Bible teaches. It's not because I think they fit together perfectly in my mind because I admit there's tension there and I can't figure them out. The Arminian wants to eliminate the tension with human reason. And as a result, in many cases, they end up in really, really bad places, denying things like God knows the future, uh, claiming that God changes, and just a whole bunch of stuff that gets, it does get into heresy uh, with what a lot of modern Arminians are doing mm. as a result of this, because they won't yeah. say they believe both simply because they're taught by scripture. I mean, Paul in Romans chapter nine, Paul is he he works through this hypothetical hypothetical argument and and the way he leaves it i mean would be if i were an arminian and i was at one point uh it was very unsatisfying for me i was like that wait uh that's it that's all you've got to say about this so so he says in romans chapter 9 for this, and starting in verse 17, he says, for, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose, I raised you up. Think about that. For this very purpose, I raised you up. Pharaoh had a purpose to demonstrate my power in you. And how did God do that? By pouring out his wrath on Egypt. And that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. So think about that. God raised Pharaoh up for that purpose. So then what does Paul anticipate? Paul says, so then he has mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens whom he desires. And then Paul says, you will say to me then, why does, why does he still find fault? Because who can resist God's will? If this is what God raised Pharaoh up for, why is God punishing him for doing exactly what God raised him up to do? You know how Paul answers that question? On the contrary. Who are you, old man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this? Will it? Now, and he leaves it there, Chris. Right. So basically he's saying there isn't an answer to that. Yeah. I mean, we see an answer, but there isn't an answer God, to that. God has not and, given us an answer. And we, need, and we need to be okay with that. That we need to be okay with that. That's the yeah, bigger sin yeah. here in all of this. Which scares me, like, like I get it and I believe it, but it scares me. You know, I think, wow, man, you know, at the end of my life, am I not getting, am I, am, am I, am I going to hell? Am I going to heaven? You know, like these things keep me up at night, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I don't know. Like I, people used to, used to, I, I remember back in the day, people would be, would say, are you assured of your salvation? And everybody, hey, man, and they'd get up and they'd have a good time and dance around the aisles. And this was at a Pentecostal church. No offense to any Pentecostals. But, <laughs> you know, that's what that's what everybody did. But even back then, I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I'm not sure. You know, like <laughs> I, I, I really hope so, because I am going to think I've been elected, because if I wasn't elected, I wouldn't be worrying about these things. I wouldn't be trying well, so hard in my life to be, look, and I get it. I fall short of the glory. Look, even since the day that I was, you know, uh, saved, and I'm going to put that in quotations because I, 
I think that's like a man-made term, right? I don't think it's in the Bible that you're. Is it? I well, what? the way the way we use it. The anyway, word election. No, saved. Oh, you saved. Know, yeah, but anyway, the the I remember the day that I turned towards the Lord, and I, you know, and I am, and and look, I'm not going to treat this like a confessional, but I'm just going to go ahead and say I have done plenty of sin and sense. So I wonder to myself. Well, was I have I have I just been fooling myself? And then I'll think, well, no, you haven't, because if you were fooling yourself, you wouldn't be trying not to sin. You wouldn't be like spending time in prayer. You wouldn't be doing these things, you know. Um, and then I keep thinking about the stuff that Paul says in Romans. And well, anyway, now you know why my eyes look the way they do every time we go train in the morning because I don't sleep. <laughs> You know, and maybe that's not such a bad thing. You know, maybe sitting around and thinking about not how I can wrap my mind around God, but thinking about how I cannot wrap my mind around God, maybe that's a healthier way to approach things. Well, yeah, I, I, I think the, I think the, the real, the real, the real point is that you must be informed about the truths of Christianity and your own salvation by what scripture teaches, right? So you have, you have to turn to scripture. And if you have been given the gift of faith by the Lord in salvation, then you believe the scriptures are God telling you, you believe that God's word will not lie, that it's reliable, that everything it says is true and that it's not wrong about anything that it says. And Jesus, John says this, or Jesus says this, wherever wherever Scripture is, Jesus is speaking. So John said, by this, we know that we have come to know him. All right, so the question is, how do we know we've come to know him? John says, by this, we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I've come to know him and does not, or is not keeping his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Whoever keeps his word whoever is a doer of God's word in him, the love of God has truly been. Perfect. Yeah. But does that, does that mean that somebody who, who would fall into that category doesn't sin? Because if you sin, you're not a doer of his word. No. And, no, I don't, you, and you, so I'm, I'm, I'm asking cause I want to hear your take on it. Yeah. So you go back to the previous chapter. Oops. Go back to the previous chapter and it answers that question. He says, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. <laughs> if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. And so what John is saying in chapter two is that, and you've seen these people, um, there are people who profess to know Christ, but if you look at their life, you're like, how do you know Christ? You're, you're out here doing all these. There's nothing in your life, how you live your life, the things that you're doing that would indicate to me that you have been radically changed by the power of God. And now you're doing everything you can to please him by walking in his word. You don't even read his word. You ignore it and you do whatever you want and you make excuses for it. John is talking to that person when he says, the person who says I've come to know him, and lives that kind of a life, 
they're a liar. The truth is not in them. Right. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah, but oh, 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 okay. So, yeah. You speak of, oh, all right. So, sin is sin is sin. Can we agree on that or am I wrong? I, does God not see sin as sin? God punishes all sin, but God, no, God does not see um, all sin equally. Uh, because even Jesus himself said, these will receive the greater punishment. So what if, so, oh, all right. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask the question. What if, what if a, a person, you know, did commit adultery? Are they lost? No. Christians oh, do not live a life that is defined by sin. And that, all right. So that, there you go. And so you answered it. It's not what you did. It's not necessarily so what you're saying is it's not necessarily a you know i told you know i i told a lie once i did i i pick a commandment i i i broke it you know and you may break it may say say you pick a commandment number four whatever it is and you break it a number of times in your life but it's not a habitual thing it's the habitual thing that you question. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, well, now, so now that, now, now that makes sense because that, that comes down to like an unrepentant and unpenitent heart. Exactly. Okay. There's no sign of repentance All right. whatsoever. All right. Yeah. So I'd like to say I was smart enough to, uh, uh, loop you into that to get us to that point but i'm 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 not that smart i'll never admit that i'm that smart i don't care what anybody says about me so so another another text of scripture that teaches this is also in first john first john is a first john is an, is an amazing epistle. it's always been one of my favorite epistles in uh, chapter 3 verse 9 john says no one who is born of god practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of devil of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. John says it's obvious. So, you know, if, if it were the case that, that you, you could be a Christian and just carry on like the world John's wrong. It's not necessarily obvious who's a child of God and who isn't a child of God. It's pretty darn hard to tell the difference between the two. But John says that's not the case. There's something different about the children of God versus the children of the devil, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, so it's... uh you know, we've been at this about an hour, and I only got to one of my questions. I know, which is I'm like, Where's which the other is question? which? Well, no, I'm not telling you because if we do this again, we'll do I have, I actually have. Uh, well, so I have some other questions. I have one, two, three other questions I didn't get to, and as soon as I brought up up election, I knew we weren't going to get to any of them. <laughs> I, I just, I just knew it. And then I also have a like. So you, you listen to radio shows and they have segments and I have one called yay or nay. 
and uh, that that is uh, where I would ask you a question, you know, and and you would and you would say, well, I'm for that or I'm against that, and I really don't have anything uh, written for that yet. Or it might be something like, okay, the apocryphal books, yay or nay? Yeah, nay, nay. Oh, so really? Well, so why? <laughs> because and and so my 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 question would be. Or, you know, so these books, Luther actually included them originally when he made the split with the Catholic Church, and then they got rid of them. So men got rid of them. But then you also hear about this uh, um, a trend, I guess, for lack of a better term, on going back as far as you can to the original church and the original documents. But yet... When you go back that far, the books that we call the Apocrypha are legitimate. No, no, they're not. Oh, and we can, okay. We can we can talk about that on a on another program. It'll probably take uh, quite a bit of getting into. So, so none of them are legitimate. They're not inspired by God, and they have never been considered uh, part of the canon. But are they? But why were they part of the canon at one time? Then they, they were never part of the canon. The fact that they were included in a in the binding of a particular project, like a uh, the Codex uh, Sinaiticus or or whatever, do, does not mean that they thought of them as inspired. We make the mistake that we make the mistake of thinking, oh well, if they're in the, if they're in this big giant King James Bible, I have then then they must have been at one time considered to be like the rest of the books. And that's not true. You have to look at the history and all the comments that were made about them and how they, the practices they engaged in when they, uh, you know, bound these things together um, to understand what was their opinion of these books. We're just assuming that because they're included in this particular set that uh, they're uh, inspired. And that's a bad assumption. So okay. if we do if we do this again, that's what we'll lead off with. Okay, we'll never we won't make it past through the first through. Uh, we probably won't make it past that question. Well, I won't. I'll try my best not to interrupt you because I know absolutely nothing. I've never even read the apocrypha, so there's that. Um, or maybe we won't. Maybe I'll tell. Maybe next time we'll be like, you know what? We don't have to talk about that because it is what it is. Let's talk about this. Yeah. Which I I have some pretty I I have some interesting ones that I think will really you know dig at you a little bit. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. I'm looking. So for those listening, you can't see, but I'm looking at Ed, and he's got a microphone in front of him and a vast amount of books behind him in a rich mahogany uh, interior, which makes him very important. And he is wearing glasses and I'm glad <laughs> and, and, and I'm, and I'm rather in, intimidated by him, which very, so if nobody knows, Ed uh, trains Brazilian jiu-jitsu and whenever we get in the mats, I am still rather intimidated by him, but that's, you know, that is what it is, but, I don't know. I think this was good. Do you think this was like a yeah, healthy conversation? It yeah, it was. It was great. I thought it was good. I feel like I learned something and I'll actually go back and listen to this if you choose to post it. 
Oh, I'll um, post it. Yeah. Well, you might want to do some editing. I'm not sure. Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. But uh, either way, doesn't matter to me. Um, I think we'll but keep it, was, it real. Yeah. I, you know, why not? We'll see what your listeners say. They might say, never bring that idiot back on the air again, which would be a reason for you to bring me back on the air again, because every Abbott had to have his Costello. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, man. Well, look, God bless you. May his Holy Spirit always be upon you. Keep doing what you're doing. I love you, my friend. Hey brother, I'm gonna. I'll see you in the morning, and uh, I think I'm gonna come in and train tomorrow before I go to work. Ooh, on Tuesday. On a Tuesday, yeah, I know. Oh, Weird, huh? all right, very nice. Yeah. Well, we'll see you then. All right, bro. See you. All right, man. See you. Bye. Bye. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. This podcast is part of the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network, biblical Christianity's marketplace of ideas. BibleThumpingWingnut.com. This is Sparta!